Yeah, I keep that on my desk at work. So when I was preparing this sermon, Bob gave me about three months. And you know, I got the sermon about a week ago. I think that's just how God works. And so I, I did focus on this. When times get rough, R-U-F, remember, God is with you. <clears throat> Before we get into Psalm 42, I really want to start with Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to open them. It should be behind me. And let's start. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him. And he began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and he fell on his feet and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Here we see deep, Jesus deeply grieved. He is distressed to the point he's about to die. In the Gospel of Luke, it talks that his sweat was like drops of blood. And I looked this up, and it is actually a true medical condition called, now I'm going to try to say this, hematothyhedrosis, which is a rare medical condition where the blood vessels and sweat vessels burst within when you're under extreme pressure and extreme stress. Now it says in the Gospel of Luke that it was like drops of blood, so we can only assume that he is using that as a reference point. <clears throat> we see Jesus as understanding what we're going through. He see that he himself faced deep stress, far deeper. Look, I've faced difficult times in my life. I've never sweat drops of blood. As we go over Psalm 42 today, I want you to remember that Jesus understands what we're going through. Jesus has been there. Jesus is walking with us. He has not abandoned us. He himself has suffered for us. When we are heavily burdened, when we feel alone, Christ is there helping carry us as we go along our way. He is beside us. He is within us. He is guiding us. Even when we feel He is not. Even when our emotions are telling us He's gone. What we must do is to trust in Him and His will and allow our faith to grow through difficult times, especially when our own emotions tell us otherwise. Psalm 42 is literally one of my absolute favorite chapters in the Bible. It talks about a man going through difficult times, through ups and downs, and he's grieving and he's processing and he's seeking within. <clears throat> At the very beginning of this chapter, it talks that this is, a, uh, for the music director, a mascal or song for the sons of Korah. And what we know about the sons of Korah is the, the men of Korah themselves were killed. They were swallowed up by the earth themselves when they challenged Moses and Aaron to who would be in charge of the people of Israel. So as we get into this, chapter 42 of Psalm, you'll understand a few things about Psalm. Psalm is broken up actually within five books within the book of Psalm itself. Book 1 would be chapters 1 through 41, often referred to as God beside us. Book 2, where we start today, 
chapters 42 through 72. God going before us. Book 3, chapters 73 through 89. God around us. Book 4, chapters 90 through 106. God above us. And finally, book 5, chapters 107 to 150. God among us. As we start this chapter, you will see a man going through difficult times. Now, many scholars believe that this is David. There is no proof that David wrote this. It it wouldn't surprise me. He wrote many of the Psalms. But whatever he was going through was very hard. If it was David, the scholars that I was studying seemed to point that this was when he was running from his own son, Absalom, who was trying to kill him and take over the kingdom. So we'll see him dealing with struggles. We'll see him in this chapter with his ups and downs, his internal monologue, questioning what is going on. Why is God allowing this to happen? But just reflect on this and reflect on your own situations and know that God has not abandoned you. Let us begin with verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Again, here we see the author, maybe David, devotion and passion for God and feeling that he's gone, needing that thirst of God again, feeling that he is almost dried up within. We feel this time that we need this. We as a people should be thirsting for God. We should never give up that thirst. He is our thirst quencher. He is the only one that can fulfill our true thirst. This should be our prayer. Christ himself says, come and drink from him. John 4.14 tells us the following, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up eternal life. That should be our prayer. We should constantly be in his word, constantly being dwelling with him, constantly spending time with him. And our water will be overflowing of His Scripture to others, telling of the Gospel and His love. Let us continue with verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Who has been there? Maybe you're going through it. I've been there. I've been crying and mourning and feeling broken and feeling possibly all at once going through every single emotion. Where has God gone? Why am I going through this? Why is this being allowed to happen? As we read, that was not just enough. It wasn't the fact that he was just mourning. On top of that, he's being mocked by his friends and family, calling out, where is God in this? Having our faith is attacked, having our faith attacked as difficult as it is, let alone when you're feeling very vulnerable and weak. I'm sure many of us have been through something similar. The world we live in now, we're being mocked daily by our faith, challenged by what we believe, ridiculed by how we stand on the truth of the gospel. And we don't even hear, where is your God? More often we hear, how could a loving God do blah, blah, blah? How could a loving God allow this child to have this? How could a loving God allow my wife or or husband to leave me? How could a loving God do this? This is a lie. Let me be perfectly clear from Satan himself. God is in control. God is not punishing you. 
God is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is and has been and will always be in full control of everything. But what we need to do in this life is to fully trust Him. Trust His will. Trust His process. And know His will will allow not only us to grow closer to Him, but allow our, grow, our faith in Christ to grow as we tell others about Him and what He has done in our lives. Let go and let God be in control. Verses 4 and 5. I remember these things and pour out my soul within me. For I used to go over with the multitude and walk them to the house of God with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude celebrating a festival. Why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me? Wait for God, for I will again praise Him for the help of His presence, my God. This is something that I struggle with. Whenever I'm going through difficult times, when I am broken or shattered, I tend to not even find joy in the things I like. I tend to pick apart the things that are normally bringing me happiness or little things I could normally rub off tend to get me further into that hole of depression. But as we see in 5, we see wait for God, or some translations, hope in God. This is what I must do on a daily basis. I look within. I ask myself, what is really going on? I go to God. I look over His past successes in my life and what He has blessed and brought me through. These are pillars of faith in my life where God has carried me where I couldn't carry myself. Now I'm going to try to share this without crying. But these are some of the pillars that God has brought me through. Years ago when our daughter Charlotte was two, She was diagnosed with a medical condition and she had to have open heart surgery. I don't know why. I don't understand it. But I know God will use what we went through, my wife and me, as He carried us through that. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And you start questioning Did I pray wrong? Did I say the wrong prayer? Am I not fasting? Am I not reading the word enough? And as we got closer to the day of her surgery, my wife and me were just being carried by God. We can look back and see that now. It comes to the day before the surgery. We have to check in at Dornbecker. So we check in. We check into where we're staying at the Ronald McDonald house. We meet with the doctors. Everything's fine. We're still praying. You know, I I still believe somehow there's going to be a miracle. The doctors made a big mess up. Comes to the day of the surgery. We're in the waiting room. Comes to the moment of the surgery. They call us in the back. And I'm holding my daughter. And I'm surrounded by doctors and nurses and my wife. And they're like, it's time for us to take Charlotte. And I said, no. Not yet. And I prayed in front of them. Father God. I trust your will 
I trust my daughter with your life. Let your will be done, not mine. And in that prayer, I don't know if I fully 100% believe it because I didn't know if I'd see her again alive. I didn't know if I'd feel the little warmth of her cheek on my face. I didn't know if I'd hear her say dad again. But I knew God was in control. And that is what we must do as a people. We must trust God's will in every single thing that we go through. And it's not going to be easy. Another pillar of faith in my life was in 2011. My dad was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. One of the biggest fears of my life was to lose my dad. He was my good friend, but he was my brother in Christ that I could go through for anything. He had knowledge and wisdom in God that I don't have. And he was my dad. I could turn to him and get good advice. Same thing. I was praying, God, please don't take my dad. Take me instead. He's, he's far better of a man of you than me. And uh, on April 8th, Easter Sunday, I'm asleep. And I get a... Uh, my mom says, come downstairs. My dad's not going to make it. Uh, I took my dad's hands and I said, Dad, it's okay. I'm going to see you again. I love you. Let God's will be done. And my dad took his last breath. But I can tell you this, that my dad had no fear before he died. His faith was in Jesus Christ. And time and time again, he said, do not blame me for this. Do not blame God. I won't go one second before I die. Now, what did I do? I blamed God. I didn't listen to my dad. I'm sure he's upset about that. But I was upset. How could you do this? I know wicked people, Lord. How are you not punishing them and allowing this man that loves you to suffer? How are you allowing me to suffer? But I can tell you as God is my witness, I look back and that is a pillar. And I can tell you in both situations, different outcomes, God was there in perfect harmony in both. And His will to be glorified. And if it took my dad's passing, unfortunately as that is, for me to be here to proclaim Jesus Christ to you and to anybody who's listening to this, then it was worth it. As hard as it is to say that, my dad would say it was worth it. If one person comes to know the Lord from that situation, my dad would have done it in a heartbeat. We must have hope in God. We must trust His will. We as a brother and sister in Christ must rely on each other and proclaim Jesus Christ to the ends of this earth. This is why we have hope. And I'll tell you this, there is only two places where hope does not exist. One, in heaven. Your hope is fulfilled. My dad's hope, fulfilled. Doesn't need it. Walking with the Lord right now. Proclaiming glory to God. And two, hell. You have no hope. You will be in eternal damnation. It's not going to be a party with you and your friends. You'll be alone, separated from the pure love of God for eternity, and you have no hope left. But if you are here, if you're listening right now, if you're in your car and you're hearing these words, you have hope. 
there is time for you to turn back to Christ or commit your life to Christ. Listen to these words and know that Jesus Christ died for you. He loves you. He's given His all for you and He'll walk beside you to the rest of your life. Sorry, I cried. (laughs) Let's continue in verses 6 and 7. My soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have passed over me. Again, we look see that this author looks within and analyzes his heart and what his reason is for his depression. We need to train ourselves to do this as well. We need to look within. We need to analyze our situation and what we are going through. Have a heart-to-heart with our soul and that old man we are fighting against and put it in line with God's Word. Pour out your grief to God and then turn to someone. That's what we're here for. We're here to help carry each other's burdens. Ask a friend. Turn to a pastor. Go to a deacon. Ask for prayer. Let us carry each other's burdens. Look inward, but always make sure that you look up and recognize where true help comes from. Verse 7 is one of my absolute favorite verses in the whole Bible. When my dad passed away, this is the verse that came to me. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have passed over me. Now in this situation, it's talking about trials. Being almost drowned by your situation. But to me, I see that as comfort. Because every single valley I've been in, God has been there. As those same waves and breakers, He has been a love and a comfort and a guiding force. The verse is talking about this. But I see it. As great joy. As Matthew 8, 23-27 says, When he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, a violent storm developed on the sea, so that the boat was being covered by the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up, rebuked the winds on the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey? That is the same thing with the storms of this world. God can use the same storms that cause us grief to cause us comfort, to cleanse us, to wash us, to purify us and prepare us for other situations. Verses 8 and 9. The Lord will send His goodness in the daytime, and His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? God is our hope. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. We must rely on God and His Word when we are battling our inward and outward struggles. We know this to be true. There will be moments, though, when we feel the opposite. 
we feel alone. We feel abandoned. We feel forgotten. We feel that God is not listening. Why are you not hearing my prayers, Lord? This is a lie from Satan himself. And we must fight against these lies with Scripture. The Bible teacher, Dr. Warren Wiersbe, once said this, Life is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be lived. I love that. You will not always understand the situations you're going through. Too many times we allow our problems of life to cloud truth as well as the life we should be living. We do not live by explanations, but by promises. More importantly, God's promises and His truths. Some may feel that God has abandoned them. That is a lie. Do not believe that. God is there. God has not forgotten you. We may not understand this, but not understanding not understanding may be part of the trial itself and part of the test. And a trial you're going through may not even be for you. You may be going through something that you can use that trial for someone else, as my wife and I did with our daughter. That is something we understand. If we come across a family that's dealing with that, we will be able to understand them when others will not. The poet Robert Frost said this, but it was the essence of the trial that you shouldn't understand it. At this time, it had to seem unmeaning to be meaning. Let me repeat that. But it was of the essence of the trial that you shouldn't understand it at this time. It had to seem unmeaning to be meaning. I love that. We will not always understand why we're going through what we're going through. I still don't know why my dad had to pass away. But I know that God was there. And God was in control. And to His name be glorified. Verses 10 and 11. As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries taught me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me? Wait for God. For I will again praise Him for the help of His presence, my God. A great Christian once said the following, In times of trouble, God's trusting child must say this, First, He brought me here. It is by His will that I'm in this place. Second, He will keep me here in His love and will give me grace in this trial to behave as his child. Third, he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends for me to learn, working in his grace that he means to bestow. And finally, in his good time, he can bring me out again. So when we, when we are in difficult times, this is the four things we can say. We can say, I'm here by God's appointment. Second, we're in His keeping. God's got it. 
God's got us. Third, we are under His training. What can I learn from this? What can I apply to this? How is God teaching me? What is He teaching me? And finally, we are here for His time, and in His good time, He will bring us out again. I talk about my dad a lot because he was such an influence in my life. And I, if, if you would have known him, he would gladly share how he was a worldly man before he came to know the Lord. He would jokingly say he, he drank more beer than most men spilled. What is it? Whatever. That's, that, he used to say it. But, oh, that, then most men drink? That makes more sense, yeah. You knew what I meant, and I was saying it wrong on purpose to get the laughs to try to break the awkwardness. But when I was, uh, when my dad passed away, uh, I received this. And this is his lighter that he carried when he was in Vietnam. And he kept this because it was a reminder of his sin nature. And it says the following. I am a man that knows no fear after drinking a case of beer. John Lee Davis, Artillery, August 4th. He carried this through the whole time he served in Vietnam. And he, I think, would look often at that and see that old nature. Because on the first day of seventh grade, my dad was 39 years old, and he suffered massive strokes. Almost died. He said he was glimpsed what hell was like. And he called my mom and got the pastor there as fast as possible. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And his saying from that point on was this, no matter how dark and deep the trouble you see, there you'll find your Savior be. I love that I have this as a reminder of our sin nature. And to see how my dad was before and the man that God shaped him to be by the actions that he went through in that life. Friends, Jesus is with us through this life. The ups and the downs, the good and the bad. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says the following, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us hold true to Christ and His Word no matter what the situation may be or where we are in the trial. God is there. He has not abandoned us. He is guiding us. If you are struggling where you are, there is help. Reach out. Reach for God. Reach for us. Turn into your word. Dig into it. It is the sword of truth. If you're here and don't know the Lord, please, you have hope. Your time is available to accept Him as your Savior. Let us pray. Father God, I give You glory. I don't understand the trials I go through. I don't. But I know that You do them for a purpose. And I praise You for this message. I pray that I apply it to myself as well, Lord Jesus. If there's anyone here that doesn't know You, if there's anyone listening that doesn't know You, help them to come to know You, Father God. I'm going to say a quick, simple little prayer, Lord. 
Just repeat after me if you don't know Him. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I want You in charge. I put You in charge of my life. I make You my Lord and Savior. Take control of my body, mind, and soul. Help me live for You, not myself. Help me to surrender. I praise You and I thank You. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I asked Larry to play a specific song for the altar call. And it has lyrics, so please stand as we sing this. And if you need prayer, if you need... All right, please feel free to stay. As we have fellowship, there's lots of food. Let me say a quick prayer. Uh, Father God, we just praise You. Lord Jesus, I just praise You for dying for me. For the trials I've been through, let my life be an example of Your love. Help me to serve You, even when I'm scared. I give You glory. I give You praise. As a body, we unite together. Bless the food, the fellowship, the time. Let us rise up in this nation to serve You and to follow You and to worship You, Lord. In Jesus' name as a body we pray. Amen. Amen.
Yeah, I keep.